right, 11 o'clock, how are we feeling today? How's everybody doing? Everybody here? Glad to be here, glad that you're here, thankful for each and every one of you. Hey, I want to start off a little bit different today, if it's okay. Uh, I want to start off today just by venting a little bit. Is that okay? Like, am I allowed to do this? Can I vent a little bit? Give me some love. Can I, can I vent a little bit? So maybe you've noticed this, but has, has anyone else experienced how much customer service is at an all-time low right now? Like anybody else, truly. Like over the last year, my wife and I, Emily and I, we have shared so many experiences where we're like, wow, like customer service is not what it used to be. And now come to find out, a couple weeks ago, I was reading uh, this article that talked about how many people have quit over the last couple of years through the COVID pandemic. Specifically, last year in 2021, there was a three-month period over the summer months where, catch this, 11.5 million people quit their jobs. 11.5 million people quit their jobs. Now, guess what genre of occupation was the majority of those people quitting? Customer service and hospitality. So it starts to make a little bit more sense, right? And so on one hand, I give a little bit of grace because I'm like, yeah, it's the pandemic and there's a lot of stuff going on. And so I offer a little bit of grace, but then there's something else that's frustrating me. And what's frustrating me is not just that customer service is at an all-time low, but now everybody's asking for a tip. Have you noticed this? Like everywhere you go, everybody wants a tip. I kid you not, I went to the car wash the other day and I'm getting a car wash and I push, you know, you gotta go through the screen where it's like, what car wash do you want? And then at the end it says, would you like to leave a tip? And I'm like, to who? It's an automatic car wash. Hence the word automatic, like who am I tipping? And I got really frustrated about it. But then I thought to myself, maybe I need to get in on this a little bit. So starting today, we're gonna start tipping the pastor. And what we're gonna do, if I knocked it out of the park today, that's worth 20 bucks, right, 20 bucks. If it's good, hey, $10. If it's even tolerable, hey, give me some Christian charity, I'll take a buck, okay? But if it's like, I'm never coming back, and yes, there's a little poo pile here, and yes, your pastor just said poo pile because I've got four kids at home, that's common language in the Pennington household. And so if that's your experience today, feel free to come and just take something out of the tip jar. And I, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about what I'm preaching on today, so I'm gonna get this party started. And I also think like, if I were to share anything in this sermon that I call a tasty thought, so if I'm preaching and I say something that you're like, mmm, like that's a tasty thought, like, mmm, that's pretty good. Like I like what he has, mmm. We call those tasty thoughts. For instance, a couple weeks ago I shared this, that capability without availability equals spiritual passivity. And all God's people said, mmm, yeah, don't say amen. That's worth five bucks. So if you, amen's five bucks, tasty thoughts are, okay, I'm done, I'm done. I promise you I'm done. Hey, welcome to Trace Truly, where we don't tip the pastor, but we are thankful that each and every one of you are with us today, especially if you did accept an invitation. Thanks for taking that invitation and coming to be on part of our morning today. You did join us um, in the last installment, our last week of a series we've been in for three weeks called Dollars and Cents. And so a couple weeks ago when we kicked this off, we talked about how money has the tendency above anything else for the majority of us, it has the tendency to get our attention and our devotion. And we determined that if Jesus is the leader and Lord of our life, that we need to make sure that we're posturing ourselves and preparing ourselves in such a way that he's always the leader and the Lord of our life, meaning he gets our greatest devotion. And if there's anything that we want to hold on to tightly, that we have a hard time letting go of, we determined that for most of us, that's money. And we talked about what you, what, what you love the most will get the most of you. And so hopefully all of us, because we arrived here this morning, would say that we want Jesus to get the most of us. And so we need to be careful with how tightly we're holding on to the money in our life. And then last week, Pastor Corey came 
and he shared a message on growing our capacity for generosity. How many of you guys appreciated Pastor Coy's message last week? If you were here, yep. Yeah. Got to watch it. I thought he did an amazing job. And so he came and shared with us. And today we're going to conclude this series by looking at a particular parable. But kind of to get us started, I want to ask you a question. How many of you, and give me some crowd participation this morning. How many of you have ever heard this phrase? Just raise your hand. Let me see crowd participation. Just throw those arms up. How many of you have heard this phrase, well done, good and faithful servant, good? How many of you would say that you have either felt this or shared the sentiment that you hope that Jesus would say this about you one day? Just raise your hand if you've ever said that. Most of you in this room, okay? So we would all agree that this is a very popular phrase that we've heard. Most of us even knew that it's actually in our Bibles. We might not know where it's at in our Bibles, but we know it's somewhere in our Bibles. But I've learned that few people actually understand the context in which it was said, which leads me to the passage of scripture that I'm gonna to share today. If you have your Bibles with you today, feel free, to, feel free to turn them open or turn them on and find your way over to Matthew chapter 25. And we're gonna read a parable and it's in the midst of a lot of other parables where Jesus is describing what it means to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And so this is just one of many parables that he shares. And this is where we find the context of well done, my good and faithful servant. So picking up in verse 14, again, Matthew 25, beginning in verse 14. Jesus says, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant, who, uh, the servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. And the master was full of praise. Well done, well done, my good and faithful servant. There it is. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. So let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Now, I'm gonna hold off on the text that specifically talk about the guy who only had one bag of silver, and I just wanna camp out here for a second. In this parable, Jesus is reminding us that all that we have in our possession is only because God has allowed it to be in our possession. Everything that we have is only in our possession because God allowed us to have what we have. And so through this parable, Jesus is reminding us that the things that we have, we're supposed to be stewards over. In other words, it's not our stuff. We're stewarding someone else's stuff because it's God's stuff that he's allowed us to have for a temporary amount of time. And listen to me, it's a lot more temporary for some than it is for others. And so God says, listen, I'm going to entrust you with a certain amount of stuff, but it's not your stuff. It's my stuff. In other words, you need to be a steward over my stuff. You need to manage the master's money. Now, all of us get this, right? We get this. 
that at some point, all of it's gonna go to someone else or something else anyway. When we close our eyes here for the last time, we can find out really quickly that all that we had was temporary. And I think you know this, that none of us get to take a U-Haul to heaven, right? So it's not coming with us. Can I get an amen? Yeah, good job. Five bucks right there, so yeah. (laughs) Jesus is trying to help us to see all you have is what God has allowed you to have. And we're simply stewarding in a way that would honor him. And specifically in this text, we should be investing some of it back into his kingdom. I would argue that one of the biggest challenges that American Christians have, that oftentimes because they get caught up in the American dream, is to understand that you only have what you have because God has allowed you to have it. And the argument may be, and maybe you're having this argument with me right now subconsciously, yeah, but what about all that hard work that I put in? All the sacrifices that I've made to get to where I'm at, all the time that I put into studying for my education that landed me this awesome job that's allowed me to receive money that I, you know, I didn't, I didn't come from money, so now I finally have, have money, and that's mine. To which Jesus would argue, no, it's not. And it's awesome that you have what you have, but listen to me, and can I just remind many of you this morning that all the time that you spent was God's to give. The talents that you received was God's to give. The treasures that you have currently in your possession is only in your possession by the grace of God. It is only by the grace of God that you have been afforded the opportunities that you have. And sometimes American Christians can be the worst. And getting caught up in all of the time and attention and resource that we put into landing wherever we land today and thinking that we did that And therefore, what I have is mine. So don't tell me what to do with my money. You see, this parable, Jesus is clearly telling us that when we invest our time and talents and specifically our treasure in a way that grows God's kingdom, only then can we ever expect to hear this statement. Well done, good and faithful servant which means when we don't invest God's stuff in a way that honors his kingdom and moves his kingdom forward, what does that make us? Unfaithful servants? We actually have an example of this because when Jesus starts to describe the guy that was given one bag of silver and what he did with it, the fact that he went and buried it, This was the master's response to him in verse 26. He said, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can I be honest with you this morning? I almost left that last verse out just because it's so strong. Like Jesus does not mince words here when it comes to our lack of stewarding God's resources well. And I almost left that last verse out, but I'm reminded that no matter how hard God's word in his text is to read sometimes, because it may be convicting for many of us, it never should be left out. But it's hard to deny that Jesus saved some of his strongest words some of his strongest words for people who did not steward God's stuff well. 
Trace, please listen to me. Please, please, please listen to me. Especially if you're new and I don't have any relational equity with you. My job is not to get up here and preach about money so that you'll give more of it to the church. My job is to preach about money and everything else so that you'll be faithful so that you'll learn what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus because our faithfulness, our faithfulness to the leader and Lord of our life oftentimes is the example that other people need to see to even turn their attention to God. How many people do you think that you've actually turned their attention to God by your unfaithfulness? And listen to me, this is not a guilt trip. This was the majority of my younger life. And so what does it look like for us to be faithful in this area? Do you know why we gave $20,000 two weeks ago? Up close to $20,000. You know why we gave that away? And some of you were like, I wish I came that week. You know, how, you know why we gave that away? Because I want to teach you faithfulness. I wanted to resource you and take away whatever excuse there could have been to show you what it means to be available for the Holy Spirit and say, God, use me. I know somebody could use this blessing in their life. Would you give me eyes to see? Help me to stop looking past people, but see the people that are, you're putting in front of me and see how this resource that I've now been given can be used to offer a tangible blessing so that they know that Jesus sees them and he loves them. My job is to teach you faithfulness. Now, we've received a lot of stories that have come in from that envelope challenge, and I do want to take a moment and just read one to you. Here's the email that came to me. It said, my wife and I wanted to share our envelope story with you. So last night on our way to Rooted, we realized that we had some time to kill, so we stopped at Dollar Tree, which is a great place to kill time, let's be honest. And we grabbed a few things that we needed. We were getting out of our truck when my wife heard God tell her to go back and grab her purse. We got a few items and got in line to check out and there's a woman checking out in front of us with five small children. And the cashier said that she owed just a little over $6. She started to kind of stumble and see that she probably ended up buying too many things that she didn't have the money for because she only had $4 in her hand. It was then that God spoke to me and my wife that this person needed one of the envelopes that we had received on Sunday. My wife gave her the envelope and the woman was proud at first and declined. But then my wife told her what our pastor had asked us to do, and so she took it. We told her that we had no idea how much was in there but to go ahead and open it, and she opened it up to her surprise and pulled out a $100 bill. She started to cry, and so did my wife, and the woman hugged us both. When she hugged my wife, my wife whispered to the woman that Jesus sees her, and he loves her. After she hugged me, the woman turned to her kids, five kids, and said, Kids, Jesus sees us and he loves us. Friends, the reason that we need to be faithful in investing in the kingdom, the re reason we need to be faithful in our giving is because we need to give people more opportunities for them to know and for them to see that Jesus loves them and he sees them. And if we ever hope to hear this phrase, listen to me, if we ever hope to hear this phrase in our life, and hopefully you do want to hear this phrase, one day from your heavenly father, then that begins with how we steward God's stuff right now. And so what does faithfulness look like in the eyes of God when it comes to giving, when it comes to investing in his kingdom? Well, from the beginning, from Abraham all the way to Jesus, that benchmark has never been less than 10%. It's never been less than 10%. So faithfulness is defined by 10%. Now, some of you grew up in the church and you've heard this word tithe your whole life. And I have no doubt based on how many people are in this room 
that you've likely experienced messages like this with a very negative connotation, with maybe even a guilt-driven motivation. And I want to let you know that's never my motivation and it's never going to be the tone of this church. It's why I really don't even use the word tithe a whole lot, even though it's a very biblical principle. But I don't want you to get caught up in the principle. I want you to be a faithful follower of Jesus. So what does it look like for us to be faithful in all areas of life, not just when it comes to our money? And so what I want to do right now is I want to show you a very tangible illustration of how this kind of unfolds. If you guys will grab this table for me and bring it up here. And what I have on this table uh, are 10 apples. And these 10 apples, thank you, men. These 10 apples represent all that you have, all that God has allowed you to have in your possession. And so for you, this may represent $500,000. Could represent 5 million. For some, it may represent 5,000. But for all of us, it represents all that we have. And so what God has done throughout the narrative of the scriptures is he's let us know that, hey, I want you to set aside 10% for the advancement of my kingdom, okay? He could have asked for it all if he wanted to. It's his stuff. And so you've got 80%, which is represented in the red apples here. You've got 80% that he's encouraging like, hey, go do whatever you want. Well, maybe not whatever you want, but, you know, hey, live and, and enjoy life and, and do what you want to do as long as it's within the context of his word, and then if you're wise, and this is not something you have to do, but we teach this all the time. If you're wise, you'll set aside 10% of it as savings. You don't have to, but it's still your money, right? It's, it's for you to do whatever you want to do with, maybe later, but you're putting it in savings. And so it's kind of called the 80-10-10 rule. Let's live off 80% of what we have. Let's save 10. But God was clear from the very beginning. All I'm asking you to do is to set aside 10%, ready? of my stuff and put it back into the advancement of my kingdom. And when you do that, I'll look at you one day and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But here's what, here's what happens. And I'm still amazed by some of the justifications and excuses that we make in giving 10% of God's stuff back to him. Because what happens is we sit here and we start to think, well, Pastor Aaron, there's, there's no way I could give 10% of everything that I have to the church or to the kingdom for the advancements of God's kingdom. So it could be a different endeavor. It may not even be the church, but there's no way I could give 10% and still buy that $50,000 car that I want to buy, even though that $15,000 car would have been just fine. Like, I can't do that. You kidding me? All right, we want that $50,000. Well, and there's no way, wait a minute. You're telling me I got to give 10% of my stuff to God, how would we ever afford that second home or the vacation home? How could we ever take that dream vacation? How could we afford all of the entertainment and things that we want in our lives? How could we afford all the, I don't know, stuff that you buy to wear, all the Patagucci, you know, we're big on that in Colorado. Yeah, that's free. You can take that. <clears throat> but just notice how you've done this. And I've done this throughout my life. Because even though I would say that I've been faithful in giving at least this much to the church for a long time, I promise you there have been times where I'm like, well, if we didn't give all that, we could take the kids and go do that cool thing. If we just held back a little bit, it would allow us to, you know, afford us to do some of the things that we've been talking about doing for a while, remodeling the kitchen or whatever. And so what we do is, even though God has given us all of this, the little bit that we've 
that he's asked for back, we come up with some pretty insane excuses. And I need to chew this up. <laughs> I've actually done this illustration before about six years ago and I literally choked. <clears throat> I want to be crystal clear about something. Crystal clear. In just a moment. I don't care if you buy a $100,000 car, but never at the expense of giving to God first. I don't care if you buy five homes, but never at the expense of giving to God first. I don't care if you take three amazing dream vacations every single year, never at the expense of giving to God first. I don't care if your whole wardrobe is pedagogy, but never at the expense of giving to God first. Can I remind you of something Paul warned us about that was really clear? He said, for the love of money, not money, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. Guys, as followers of Jesus, this really should be a non-negotiable. For those of you that are here today and you're new to this whole Jesus thing, you're new to this whole church thing, and you're probably wishing you didn't come here on this Sunday, I get it, I get it. And this message honestly is not for you. But for those of us who claim the name of Jesus, it really should be a non-negotiable. Trace, don't let the American dream, whatever that looks like for you, don't let the American dream deter you from what it means to be a disciple, a devoted disciple of Jesus first. Let me remind you of the words of Jesus in Matthew 6. He said, oh, you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them all. God will take care of our needs. That's a promise that he's made to us. But seek what? Let's say it together. But seek first. But seek first the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. You see what naturally happens when we don't seek God first, specifically in this one area of our life, what we have a tendency to do is give him our leftovers. It's kind of like tipping God, right? Maybe you had a good week. It was a good sales week. You made a few more sales than you thought you were going to. And it's like, hey, God, I think you had something to do with that. Got a little something extra for you this week. Appreciate you. Hey, God, the Rams won the Super Bowl. And my pastor told me to bet on the Super Bowl, so I did. Some of you guys were here that week. And so I think you had something to do with that. I think you made the Rams win, right? So I got a little something extra for you this week. God, don't spend it all in one place. Let me be clear. This approach to giving will never grow God's kingdom. And don't miss what I say next. It also won't grow you. This approach to giving will never grow God's kingdom and it also will not grow you. God will never be impressed. God will never be honored. And God will never be worshiped when we, worshiped when we approach giving this way. And I would argue that giving faithfully I would argue that giving faithfully is such a greater act of worship than any song that we will ever sing in this room. I would also argue that potentially one of the greatest ways that we reflect the heart of our Heavenly Father is when we are giving 
is when we are letting go of the very thing that we want to hold on to the most, the very thing that God and Jesus specifically says, if there's going to be a competitor for your heart, if there's gonna be anything that you're likely going to be devoted to above me, it's going to be money. And the harder that you want to hold on to it, the more it's holding on to you. And can I just remind you of something that all of us know from John 3, 16. If we were to model after our heavenly father, he said that he so loved the world, but put your name in the, in the gap of world, for God so loved you, for God so loved you that he gave, and don't even go as far as son, ready? He gave his only. Can you let that just settle in differently today? He gave his only for you. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will never perish, but will get the gift of eternal life. So how would you fill in these blanks today? Personally, you know, it could be a lot of ways. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave when it was convenient. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave when he felt like it. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave when he felt guilty. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave faithfully. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave generously, which is anything above 10%. For Aaron so loved Jesus that he gave sacrificially. I hope so. I want to share something with you today that I wrestled with whether or not I wanted to share this, but I felt like God was leading me to go ahead and share it. My wife and I have been on a journey for a while in growing in our generosity, like Corey talked about last week, growing our capacity of generosity. And we've looked for new ways to give and different ways that we could contribute, contribute to the kingdom of God, including in you know, investing in church plants and the majority of it investing here at Trace because we see examples of life change every week. And so this last year, we decided we were just gonna go for it. Like, let's just give as much as we possibly can. Let's just go for it. And I'm not gonna tell you how much it was, but I will tell you the percentage. We put our taxes together in the last couple of weeks and we truly had no idea what number or what percentage was going to show up. But this last year, my wife and I gave 37% of all the money that we made last year to advance God's kingdom. And you could easily hear that and say, well, look at this pastor bragging. And some of you may take that away, take it away with that, I don't know. But my hope is that you would hear that and see your pastor trying to set the example of what it means to invest even sacrificially in the kingdom. And the mass majority of that money came here because listen to me, we believe what God is doing here, look around. We're probably gonna be close to 700 people today and we don't just count numbers as our effectiveness, but every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. Last service, one person was baptized, this service, two more people are getting baptized. Yeah, you can clap, that's fine. There's nothing else in our life that we're seeing and observing and witnessing of where life change is taking place for the kingdom of God. This place is worthy of our investment. I hope it's worthy of yours. And I've said this to so many people over the years, and it may be what you need to hear today. If you don't give here, then give somewhere. Just make sure money is not owning your heart, but wherever you do give, make sure it's advancing the kingdom of heaven because Jesus is clear that we need to at least be setting aside this much of God's stuff to advance back into his kingdom. And so if you don't trust this place, if you don't trust me, 
If you don't think this is a place worthy of your investment, then please, I give you full permission, go find a place that is worthy of your kingdom investment. It's gonna take all of us, guys. It's gonna take all of us. And you've heard me say this for a while now. I wanna show you the graphic that we have with our seeds offering because I wanna give you two challenges when it comes to this area of our lives. Right now, we are at $838,000 with a goal of a million dollars. And I just wanna give it up for God. So even if you don't clap with me, I'm gonna clap because I think that's amazing. And our goal is a million dollars and that's to help us get prepared. Like that's the minimum that we need to get prepared to make a permanent move. We need to find our future home. We're running out of space here all the time with our kids ministry, with our student ministry. And so we wanna make sure that we've got the space to facilitate all that God wants to do in and through us. And so what I'm gonna ask you to do, a couple things. I'm gonna ask that this year in your tax return, I want you to set aside 10% of whatever that is. And I want you to give it to a, our seeds offering on Easter. And we're gonna bring a special Easter offering. I'm just gonna ask that you give, set aside 10% of God's stuff to give to that particular offering so that we can reach that million dollar goal as quickly as possible. And I also wanna challenge you that if you're not already, start giving, start giving, start being faithful. Start giving to the advancement of God's kingdom. And I would encourage you to give first so that God doesn't end up with your leftovers. All of us in here would say God is definitely worthy of more than our leftovers. And so can I encourage you to set that up? You can set it up through our app. You can set it up online uh, to have reoccurring giving, whatever that looks like. And listen to me. If you know of another place that's advancing God's kingdom, if you know of another place that's creating more life change, give there. Give there. Let me close with this. I believe what God wants to do later in and through the life of this church and in and through us and in and through you depends on our faithfulness and our obedience now. We determined a long time ago that we weren't just going to be a church in this city, that we were going to be a church for the city. And I'm gonna say this with as much passion as I believe it. This city needs Trace Church. Our neighbors need Trace Church. Your families need Trace Church. And we're committed to making this city better because of Trace Church's existence. And we're already establishing so many incredible ministries that are blessing our city, but we are not done. Right now, we're in the process of put, putting together a Christian counseling center. It's already in place. We already have it starting. We have one counselor that's meeting here at Trace that's help, helping with all the demands and needs. Because if you don't know this, the counseling field is being blown up right now because of brokenness. And so we decided we want to make sure that it's done well. And so we're starting our own Christian counseling center. We're also starting something called the TAG Network. It's called the Truth and Grace Network, TAG for short, which is a church planting entity that will come underneath the umbrella of Trace. And we're gonna plant as many churches as we can in the state of Colorado. If you don't know this, you need to know this. During the COVID pandemic, upwards of 20% of all churches in America closed. And we're not okay with that. And you shouldn't be okay with that. And so 5% of every dime that you give to this church is going to go to church planting underneath the TAG network. And you just need to know that. And, and that's on top of all the other ministries that we're already doing. And listen to me, we will have no problem funding all the ministry that God is calling us to do as long as you are simply faithful of giving 10% of God's stuff back to him. And it's my hope, listen to me, it's my hope that because of our faithfulness, specifically in this area of our life, that God continues to look down on this church and sees us as worthy of his blessing. 
in his favor. And that one day all of us would be able to hear, well done, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you didn't allow money to own your heart. Instead, you leveraged it to bring hope by investing in the kingdom of heaven. Let me pray for us. And then we're gonna go into a time response. Oh, Father, I am so excited for what you're doing here. I'm so excited for what I know you're going to continue to do here. And Lord, I know this is just one area of faithfulness. There's so many areas of faithfulness that we can talk about, but today we're talking about this one. And I have no doubt because of how enticing money is in each of our lives and how much we wanna hold on to it, that if we're faithful in this area, that we will give you every reason. We'll give you so many reasons to continue to pour blessing and favor on this church. God, I pray that's what happens. God, I wanna continue to see more people get baptized. I wanna continue to see more addictions overcome. I wanna continue to see marriages that are on the men's come back together. God, I know, we know what you're capable of and resource is just a part of what you can do. Like there's only, this is just a part of the ministry that we can do, but it is a big part. So God, if we, need to, if we need to make an adjustment in this area, would you show us, especially in this moment where we're responding to the cross and help us to make sure that we are being faithful stewards of your stuff. We love you. I pray this in Christ's name, amen.